What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going back. Welcome back to the call up and we have a highly anticipated episode today. It's top 100 day. We are breaking down prospects 100 to 81 on our just released top 100 prospect list over at justbaseball.com. I'm RM Layton. He's Jack McMullen and we've talked about it for a while. I always think I'm going to get it done sooner than I do, uh, but for good reason, because it usually means I'm diving deeper into something and trying to find find out more on these players. And we finally got here, Jack. We're finally done with the 2023 Top 100 list until the midseason update in a couple months. But I'm really excited for this. Um, I know some listeners have been pretty excited for it. And uh, I know you've been excited to just talk about all these names with me because there's nothing more fun than talking about the 100 best names in minor league baseball. Well, here's the way I view it. Christmas, you know what day it's coming on every year. It's always on December 25th. You're just never like you don't have a set date for this Christmas. And it may be better than Christmas for us, too. So it's almost like, hey, guess what tomorrow is? (laughs) And then like all of a sudden off we go. Yeah, it will. I I probably the thing with it, too, is you get duped because I think it's tomorrow three times and then it's actually tomorrow. So uh, it's finally happening. We finally have it live. You can follow along if you're listening audio wise. Link is in the podcast description to take you to just baseball.com with our interactive top 100 list. I was hoping that we'd have gifs or gifs. Is it gifs? Gifs? So it's just gift to me. Like I think, I think it's gifs though. I think it's just we had a comment that was like the founder of it that said that it's with a J. So I don't want to get it wrong. It's gift to me. I was hoping that we would have them for every player. I was willing to do that, Uh, but Jiffy Cat, which is my favorite site to use to embed these, is just no longer working. And WordPress doesn't take really any more embeds other than that. So here we are with only what ever embeds we had previously made, which is only a handful. So sorry for those watching on YouTube, but we will have the write-ups and the grades on the screen to follow along with for those watching on YouTube. And then again, if you're listening, you can do that on your phone as well, or we will try to describe it as eloquently as possible. So you don't need a visual. Before we get to that, a couple quick 
quick things we need to hit on, Jack. Uh, two guys that one we will, we will be talking about in this episode just got called up, but two guys yeah. just got promoted. Taj Bradley, who a couple episodes ago we were talking about, and, and specifically myself was, I was saying that you know maybe they're pacing him for a later season call up. I think that it's very clear that the plan wasn't to call him up right now, but still, even though the injury to Zach Eflin went down, like the fact that they were that quick to promote Taj Bradley was surprising to me. I I don't have any problem with it. I'm very pumped about it. By the time people are listening to this, he would have already made his debut against the Boston Red Sox. Um, Extremely talented. I think could have used a handful more starts in AAA, but you know what? When you're 11-0 and and you're trying to, you know, win a pennant, which we know the Rays are, and and they're trying to win that division, which is going to be one of the most contentious in baseball, they feel like Taj Bradley gives them the best shot as one of the spots in the rotation until Eflin, Glasnow, and even eventually Shane Boz come back. Yeah, 100%, man. Like The way I put it on the Just Baseball show was I think the Rays are making a statement now that they really want to win games. And, and you know, if they start 6-5, and five, I don't know if they do this. They may go with an opener. They're 11-0 right now, yeah. and they're putting a guy making his Major League debut out there to, to move to 12-0. I think that this is them saying, hey, we think we could be the best team in baseball. Let's show that our six or our seven is one of the top prospects in the game. So we really appreciate that. Yeah. And, and I'm interested to see you know, th- some things to monitor if you want to watch. You know, obviously the game would have already started, but if you want to go back and watch the video or, or watch Bradley's next start, some keys that I would kind of point towards here is, you know, one, how is the command of his fastball? Because it's funny. Sometimes it feels like he's spinning the slider better. Um, when he's east, west, north, south with that you know plus, plus fastball, he's a problem. Two, how many splitters is he going to throw? Because that is enough to, to help him against lefties. The slider is good enough. But I want to see how confident he is in that splitter when he's you know on the big stage making his big debut. I am curious to see if he goes to it because it did look much better in his second start. And three, and probably most importantly, how long is his leash in terms of how many pitches they let him throw? He's only thrown 106 pitches through his first two outings of the season. That's about 53 each, obviously. So how many is he going to throw in this outing? What are they going to let him do? How much is he going to get stretched out? Those are three things to watch with Taj Bradley. He could be fantastic. Uh, I don't expect him to go much more than five. So if it seems like a short outing, it, that's probably just for precautionary reasons as they build him up. But if he gives them four strong, I think they'd be very happy with that with their bullpen. Yeah, 100%, man. I mean, like, they can turn to whoever in that bullpen. They have, like, nine innings worth of relief yes. help there, especially because you've got McClanahan pumping out seven innings, and then you've got Rasmussen pumping out seven innings. Like, all these guys are putting together – Quality starts for you at the very least. Usually it's a lot better than your you know baseline barometer for a quality start, which is six innings or more, three earned or, or fewer. Um, these guys are going six or seven to one run ball all the time. This may be the least taxed bullpen in Major League Baseball right now. They can survive. They don't want to survive right now. And who knows how long Eflin is shelved? Hell, yeah. who knows how long Glass now is shelved? So yeah. Taj may be up there for four starts, five yeah, starts. Easily. Easily. And and he might hang around. They might use him in that Hunter Brown swingman type role like the world champs did last year. And here's the thing, man, like Josh Fleming's in the rotation right now. You assume Fleming's the one getting the boot when Glasnow's back. If Taj throws well enough to prove that he can be in the rotation, I mean, maybe you consider like a Glasnow in a swingman role, which feels so backwards. But where are we at with Tyler Glasnow now? 
that's that's the only concern is health wise. And also you can kind of go sometimes six six man rotation, sometimes plug and play like they can get creative there to manage everybody's innings, because I think they want to manage Taj's innings. They want to ma- manage, uh, of course, glass now's as well as, as he comes back from injury. We'll talk about Julian, but I figure we'll just build that into 98 because he's yeah. the number 98 prospect on this list. So we'll talk about Julian's promotion to the big leagues with the Minnesota Twins. But, you know, w- without further delay, we might as well just start with the top 100. We'll probably, I think it makes more sense to go to the just missed when we finish the entire list, yeah. just to get a little bit, squeeze out a little bit more interest and in, in content out of this top 100 instead of starting it with the guys that didn't make it on the list that we want to break down. I felt for like sure. it might make more sense that way. So for those watching on YouTube, I am pulling up the list right now. Visually, for those following along on the audio side, this brings us to number 100 here, who I, I can't believe he's on the list. I got I get a text from our managing editor, Ryan Finkelstein, who's you know locked on Mets host and host of Who's Better Baseball podcast. You should definitely check out on our network. He's done a great job there. And he's like, you can't be telling me Ronnie Mauricio is on this list now. Like he was, I've never seen Ryan Fink, very stoic man, Ryan Finkelstein, give me so many exclamation marks over text. But Ronnie Mauricio... Just a week after his 22nd birthday, by the way, I swore he was 40, um, makes the list, man. And here's the thing with Mauricio at number 100. I really like I I want to hear your thoughts on this, but I was pushing and pulling for a while and figuring out where exactly I want I want to place him. But all of the prospects that I were, was looking at when we get to the just missed, we'll talk about that. A lot of the guys that just missed were lower level guys. 19-year-old, 20-year-old, low A, high A, including one of his organization mates in Alex Ramirez. Alex Ramirez is 20 years and four months or whatever. Ronnie Mauricio just turned 22. What are the odds that Alex Ramirez reaches AAA in the next year and a half as he's trying to find his footing in high A? Both Ramirez and Mauricio have major approach issues. Mauricio's are more dramatic, but... Mauricio has found a way to be extremely productive or at least pretty productive through the minor leagues. So for me, the approach is still a major issue, but this is a guy that looks a lot better. Uh, This spring training looked a lot better in the early going of AAA this year. He's looked a lot better. His swing rate is down 10% small sample size, but it's worth noting. And the power is just monstrous, man. I mean, yeah, there were rumors of the 500-foot home run. Binghamton had some track man issues last year, so I'm not yeah. totally sure. Uh, regardless, he's got 480. He, he hit five or six home runs over 111 miles an hour. He's a switch hitter. The defense has improved vastly, and that's what put me over the top here. Staying power at shortstop, above average defender at third. How do you feel about us talking about Ronnie Mauricio, top 100 prospect in 2023? Bro, this shit is so weird. So weird. Um, (laughs) Ronnie Mauricio, you know, like the narrative surrounding Ronnie Mauricio has changed so often since like 2019, right? Because this guy was, oh my gosh, who is he? Coming into a full year of low A, and he stunk in 2019 in low A. And then 2020, nothing. 2021, he's in high and double for a brief cameo at the end, and he wasn't that good. And everybody was like, oh, you can't continue to sell me on Ronnie Mauricio, this guy that is, you know, in, in Mets, not purgatory, but like Mets irrelevancy, I guess, in the lower levels of the minor leagues. 
2022, he was already labeled the overhyped prospect, and he hit 26 homers, drove in 89, and stole 20 backs. Granted, low efficiency in the base stealing department, but still 26 and 20 with 90 driven in. With much better defense, too. Yes. The most underrated thing about Ronnie Mauricio's ascension since then, since being labeled the underwhelming prospect, is he played 46 games in the Dominican Winter League this winter with Lise, and Lise is like the power in Winter League baseball. 46 games added on to 123 last year. The guy had an 800 OPS. You it's don't so hard see, to hit there. You do not see people have an 800 OPS there because they're all closers that are throwing over there it's insane so he's seeing top flight competition 46 games he was 10 for 12 in the stolen base department he hits 290 with an 800 ops and now he starts in syracuse the way that he has he had a 920 ops in spring trading like this guy i think is is overcoming it in a way that you know and he's never going to get the pub that jason dominguez gets but he's overcoming a narrative in a way that jason dominguez did last year and again, I, I, you you put an excellent point on the table here, which is it's important not to pit a guy against himself. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. what we got caught doing. I'm guilty of it myself. You know, I've become oh, people are too hyped on Ronnie Mauricio. He's overrated. He's overrated. He's he was overrated when he was the 30th ranked prospect in baseball for sure. But when he was unranked as a 22 year old who is now he turned 22 after opening day, his second stint in Triple A. So you know when you go get a guy that. Yes, the approach is a major issue. You look at the hit tool, it's 30 right now. I'm hoping for 40 future. But the zone contact rate's 80, 82%. So the field of hits there, the power is plus plus. He can play shortstop and could be an above average third baseman. To me, it's like if he is just a fringy hitter, if he can cut the chase rate from 40%, he's going to hit enough home runs and put the bat on the ball enough to be a productive hitter. He could be a you know high strikeout, high power bottom of the order shortstop if that's an everyday player in major league baseball and that's a top 100 prospect again he could suck this whole year and i don't think he'll suck but he could have a mediocre year and he'll be 23 in triple a next year fine but i think he's going to be one of the ultimate trade chips this year i think he's going to have a nice season i think he's going to continue i think he's going to have his ebbs and flows but to do what he's doing despite his approach if he can just cut down the chase a little bit this guy will be really good so He's number 100. I can't wait for some fan base to throw a hissy fit when they trade for Ronnie Mauricio. At the <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's funny. Maybe, maybe some people will be excited now. I have no idea, but uh, the, the upside's just, there's just too much upside there uh, with a glove that's improved. One thing on him too, though, throwing errors. You look at the errors 25. Most of them are throwing errors. He's got a plus arm. I think he can fix that. I'm, that's why I'm not worried about the glove. The actions, everything looked good. It was just like a weird yips type of thing. Shit. I think he'll take care of that. He already looks better this year. All right. 99. A very. This is one of those names where people are going to be like, oh, haven't really heard of him. I think this is the only top 100 list you'll see him on. Uh, but Jason Morabell, outfield prospect with the Texas Rangers. And I got to give credit to one of our newest writers, Reese White, who is doing a dynasty mailbag, by the way. Um, which he'll be a guest on the pod at some point, but he's doing a dynasty fantasy mailbag. Tons of great content on our site at justbaseball.com and go give him a follow on Twitter as well. It's R H Y S. And then the color white Reese really was high on more bell. And uh, you know, he was somebody that I liked when I looked at the Rangers system, I thought he was really solid. And, and, and Reese really encouraged me to dive deeper into more bell, watch more video, look at the data more and whatever. And man, 
I can really see what he was trying to sell me on. And he told me that he talked to several scouts who have a top 100, you know, caliber grade on him as well. And it, with more Bell, and I'll just tell you, cause Jack, I know you don't know much on him as he's barely played above the complex now starting in low a, let me just sell you on the profile here, right? 55 hit tool. I think he's got potential for a 60 hit tool. The zone contact was 88% between the complex and uh, this brief low a stint last year. He's 6'2", 175 pounds, already producing 109 mile per hour exit velocities, but has a lot of room to add muscle and a plus arm in the corner of the outfield average runner. To me, it's just this perfect profile. He screams David Peralta to me, above average hit tool, above average power, solid defense in a corner. I, I, I see David Peralta light. Um, and and I, I think with the bat to ball skills that he has and the power projection, it, the, the, this guy's too talented to not be a, a top 100 guy. But, you know, still needs to prove more to be outside of the, the back, too, I guess. That works for me, man. I know nothing about Yason Morabel, so I'm not going to add anything. Uh, might I just say I love that we added Reese White and Trevor Huth to mm-hmm. the Just Baseball staff because I think I know a lot about prospects. And then I watch you guys cook, all three yeah. of you. <laughs> Those guys and are I'm awesome, like, man. Oh, my gosh. They are, they are awesome. We're um, lucky and- to have them. Morabell, 103 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity as a 18 year old last year. That's really high for an 18 year old. Now 19, going to add some muscle. I could see easy above average power there. So Morabell, name to watch in low A. Down East this year, I think is the team he's with. The Down East, it's such a wild team name. Uh, But a guy, you know, might start a little slow, but someone to watch approaches solid too. We move on to number 98, and it's uh, the new big leaguer. It's Edouard Julien. And I thought about putting position here as just like X because that's his biggest drawback. If it were just the bat, Edouard Julien, like if he was an average defender at second base, Edouard Julien would be a top 50 prospect probably in baseball. But he's not average at second. He's actually bad. Um, and I have a 30 grade on the glove. That said, he just got promoted to the big leagues. He's probably going to DH. He's probably going to you know, plug in at second base in certain spots. I don't think they'll be too stressed out about it because the outfield defense and the overall defense of the, the Twins is pretty solid. But Julian, we talked about on the Just Baseball show, you watch that guy go oppo. There's very few guys that go oppo with as much ease as Julian does. There's very few guys that hit fastballs as well as he does. And there's nobody – who swings less than he does. Julian walks with the best of them. Um, We'll never expand the zone. 35% swing rate, as you mentioned on the Just Baseball Show, Jack is on par with Juan Soto, which I actually had in my write-up here too, which is really funny because you brought that up on the call-up before even seeing the write-up. But I wanted to contextualize it. Like He does not swing. That can be bad if you have too much in-zone miss. He doesn't have too much in-zone miss, and he rarely misses a mistake pitch. Dude, so Julian, I feel like he's one of those guys that, you know, I didn't need to stiff arm you too bad. Like I didn't need to say or strong arm. I didn't need to strong arm you too bad to say like, hey, he needs to be in the top 100. But that's one of those guys that I've like been in your ear about. I'm like, hey, man, he's a top 100 guy. And you're like, shit. Yes, he is. Julian. Yes. okay, he doesn't really have a defensive home. I thought the comp you made on the Just Baseball show was beautiful. He's Max Muncie light where, where yeah. Muncie is an average second baseman, um, a fine first baseman, but his thing is he's going to get on base a ton and he's going to be an OPS darling. 
Edouard Julien is an OPS darling. And hey, if you give me one number to judge a hitter, it's OPS. And you know what? This guy hit 300 with a 441 OBP in Wichita last year across a full season. Yes, please, every day. What I love about him is that even when he's slumping, he's going to get on base, right? Like we saw Juan Soto slump at points last year. I'm not comparing him to Juan Soto, but the point being, even when you're not hitting the baseball, when your timing is so messed up, Guys like him, they'll walk. They'll provide value. They'll, they'll still be able to be productive uh, and, and run into mistakes. Julian's got to improve against lefties. He's got to improve against the breaking balls, but he hedges some of that issue with never chasing and hitting as well against fastballs as anyone I've seen in the minor leagues. Check out that write-up on Julian to see some of the specific figures on his fastball. If you cue by velocity – the numbers get even more comical. You probably won't even believe me. So read the write-up. You, you won't believe the numbers on, on fastballs for him. Was he the fall Was he the fall league MVP? I believe so. 21 games, 96 plate appearances, hit 400, had a 563 OBP, a 1248 OPS. He walked 23 times. He punched out 22 times. I think he was literally there for defense. <laughs> he was like the rare occasion of a guy being in the fall league for defense. But I, like – Dude, he did not need to hit. You're there for defense. You're not worried about the the offense whatsoever. And here we go. He puts up a 1250 OPS. Yeah, I mean, if for him there, it was like, you you knew. I, I would have taken a bet on him to win the MVP in that environment with the way he hits the baseball. I mean, I'm excited to see him at the big league level. Uh, if he can even just be not terrible defensively, he's an everyday player. Just don't be terrible. That's for sure. about it. For sure. Next up is a guy you actually got to see a little bit of. And look, we've got a gif or a gif. Hell yeah. Matt McClain. Matt McClain has fallen off top 100 lists everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati Reds, first round pick in 2021. I don't understand it, man, because he was drafted in 2021, gets an aggressive assignment, straight to double A last year, and like put up solid numbers. Not very many guys from his draft class in 2021, even the college guys. Got to double A that quick and some that did struggle. He struck out more than anybody thought he would. And that was the issue. But he was also hitting for way more power than anyone thought he would. He also did not post that much in zone whiff. The biggest issue for him was passiveness. And I broke it down on the Reds episode we did. Just swing decisions weren't great. He would take a fastball down the middle and then expand on an elevated fastball. And it was just like little things that just seemed like he was overthinking his at-bats a little bit. Yeah. You just saw a lot of him. Did you see a guy that was overthinking his at-bats? Because he's off to a pretty good start overall. Yeah, I mean, he's walking. Like, that's the thing. So he's OPSing like 730. The batting average isn't there. And I think that's what a lot of people worried about, right? Because he was a 230 hitter in Chattanooga. And you thought, McLean, come on, man. Like, he's a he's a 280 guy. Maybe he's not. But I don't think you should chalk him up to be Sam Hilliard. <laughs> like, hey, mm-hmm. power and speed, but he can't hit. That's not McLean, man. McLean's a really good ball player. And, and I think a lot of Reds fans fell in love. Love may be a strong word, but I'll use it right now. Fell in love with Spencer Steer last yeah. year because they felt like he was just a ball player, quote unquote. And that's, you know, the, the great form of baseball. McLean's kind of that. I mean, yeah, yeah he's going to punch out more than Steer. But you know what, man? He's going to hit the ball hard. He's a really, really good athlete. And he's going to play all over the diamond. He can play short. He can play second. He, can, he Hey, he might play center as well. Yeah. So 
you know, I think that this guy has the chance to be uh, a fan favorite in Cincinnati just because he plays the game in a, in a fun and hard way. Yeah, so I guess as we're recording this, nice little slump uh, that he finished with in the series against you, right? Where, where, where I say you, but you're broadcasting for the team again. He's playing against, but you know what yeah, I mean. I'm certain, man. Yeah, yeah, you're exhausted after that series. Yeah. Like, against Indy, he started hot, right? He goes two for three with a pair of doubles. Yep. Then he has a, uh, another game with with a home run, and then since then he's on a stretch right now over three, over five, over four, over two, over four. Everybody so, in Louisville sucks right now. Yeah, it's it's a little contagious. He's in triple, mind you, right? This is a guy that does not have a ton of at bats under his belt. Again, the timeline here: drafted, goes straight to high A, puts up good numbers in high A. Then, and that was legitimately after the collegiate season. So then in his first full season, gets assigned to double A, puts up an 816 OPS, 27 for 30 on stolen bases, 21 doubles, 17 homers. Then he goes to the fall league, was not great there, and then goes to now triple A to start this season. He was great in spring training, and I just feel like this guy's going to put up good numbers. Even if the average is 250, like you mentioned, Jack, he's going to walk. He's going to steal a ton of bags. We've seen that now he has above average power and he's going to play all over to your point. He can play everyday shortstop. He can play second. He can play third. He can play center. He can really play every position on the diamond. So even if the bat is closer to fringe than we thought, then, you know, we once thought it could be a plus bat. If it's closer to average, I still think this guy's too productive and too dynamic to not be an everyday player For and sure. to not be a top 100 guy. For uh, sure. but, you know, I can understand people's concerns though. When, when a guy with his profile is whiffing, more than you expect it brings you to like nick gonzalez and some other guys but my point with him is he's way more athletic and can play everyday shortstop so uh you know he gets the benefit of the doubt for me as a guy that's had some pretty aggressive assignments at 23 yeah 100 moving on to number 96 another dude that we've been talking about for a while here but man he looks really good with oakland right now is stewie ruiz He's been traveling the world, uh, or I should say the country at least, with with how much he's been traded over the last year or so. Started with that breakout that he had with the Padres. But this is a guy that signed with the Kansas City Royals back in 2015. He's played for a handful of organizations at this point. But really broke out a couple years ago with the Padres. Uh, Last year specifically stealing 75 bags, or I think it was 81 all in, if you included big leagues, everything else. Uh, Really hit better than he ever did. Back to ball was there, more power, a guy that had zero power. Now looked like he had average power, and we're seeing that on the big league stage too. He's an average hitter, average power, elite speed, elite base stealer, and a good defender in center field. That's a really good ball player, and it's a big reason why I think you saw Oakland willing to take him in what was a really big trade there for them in that Sean Murphy package, right? So, or that was which package was it? now? Now I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, that was Murphy. Yeah, it was the Murphy package, three-team yeah. deal there. So you can see why they want him. They pretty much guaranteed at least getting a you know slightly above replacement level everyday center fielder. But with the new rules and with the way baseball's trending and how hard he's hitting the baseball, I think he's an above average regular in center. Yeah, so that's the big thing you say, everyday center fielder. Oakland, you know, we know they're in a crappy spot right now, but they just got an everyday center fielder for at least the next couple of years, which – screams top 100 prospect in baseball if you're going to be an everyday big leaguer um, regardless of if you're on the A's or the Braves. Um, Esteuri is you know a really talented athlete. The thing that jumps out to me and, and he's played 11 games he's one for one in the stolen base department which is really weird but you know he's getting on base at a 317 clip right now whatever 
Uh, the thing that jumps out to me is this guy is physically a lot visibly stronger than, yes. than he was last year. And especially the year before that. I mean, he has put on some muscle. And if he didn't sacrifice any of that steel, any of that, you know, speed, I I, I think that he can be a great mix of that. I think a part of the problem with the uh with the stolen bases is three of his eight hits have been for extra bases. So uh, he's only had really like five opportunities to plus plus walk. So eight opportunities when he's on the base pass to steal. And uh, they're, they're probably losing most of the time. So um, it's, it's a weird spot for him, but Ruiz for me, like the four is so high um, the bats there. He's hitting the ball. As you mentioned, he looks more physical. He's hitting the ball pretty much harder than we've really seen him hit. Definitely at the big league level, his 90th percentile so far, small sample size is one Oh three, which is way better than we saw last year. And he's already flashed better max exit velocities than we've seen from him, including 105, 106, 107 mile per hour doubles. That'll play. And and if he's even 50, you know, 50 on the raw power scale, with what he does at the plate, he should be solid. They're still getting acclimated to playing in the big leagues every day. He's also hitting in a really crappy environment. Uh, but I think Ruiz is going to be a really, really solid everyday center fielder with, with game-changing speed. For sure. Number 95, one of the higher variance prospects on this list. And you know, I got a chance to see... Elijah Green of the Washington Nationals, a, a fair deal uh, on the backfield, some on a few different days. Uh, you could see what what there is there in terms of upside. I mean, built like a linebacker. His dad was an NFL tight end. He flies. He's a plus-plus runner. But there's some stiffness to his swing, and there's some questions as to whether he's going to hit. And that was enough. I'm, I, I'm just too unsure as to whether he's going to hit to rank him any higher. Um, and, and this was where like the thought exercise of would I trade him for the player ranked ahead of him kind of resulted in him being where he is. It's just too much risk for me to say that I'd, you know, trade, let's say the guy that we're going to talk about ahead of him, uh, like a Jefferson Caro or somebody for him as crazy as that sounds. Cause Elijah Green's one of the more hyped up names we've heard in a while, high school kid with, you know, exciting bloodlines and built like a freak. Guys like we've had a lot of guys like that, that that just don't hit. They don't do the object of the game. I think Elijah Green could do it. I could 100 percent end up losing on this if I were, a, a, you know, let's say a general manager that passed. You take that chance with guys. You acknowledge sometimes that, hey, this guy could be a superstar. I'm just not willing to wear that level of risk. And when it comes to the rankings here, I, I just couldn't I couldn't have him much higher, though. I will acknowledge that he could make me look terrible. After this year, if he hits even, you know, to an average clip with the tools that he has. Yeah. So Elijah Green has seven hits in his first four games in two bags. So he's hitting 438 right now. Um, to that, I say, I think he's a top 10 prospect in baseball <laughs> already. And I think that he should start and write for the Nats tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, he's he's a Fred Nat. He's a Fredericksburg National. So he, he's off the complex now after 12 games in the complex last year. Uh, I think the next couple of months are going to be really telling uh, of who Elijah Green is because he could be James Wood. He could also not be James Wood. And, and like, listen, Wood has a lot more hit tool present right now. And, and I think that he probably had more hit tool at time of draft than Elijah Green did. But, you know, Wood six, seven. Green looks like a 30-year-old that's eaten nothing but kale and acai for the last 10 years. Yeah. And at, at 19 years old, like, 
it's hard to pass up a, a physique like that, man. I mean, he is the most intimidating guy in a clubhouse at 19. It's it's actually absurd how like when I went to the backfield to get to see him walking out afterwards, uh, looking at that dude, I, I couldn't believe dude. how physically imposing he was. The so, power is is legitimately like game changing potentially with how hard he hits the baseball. Uh, look, this is one that again, like I I'm ready to move him up quickly. I'm prepared to do it. Yeah. Um, I I just got to see more in terms of just him in a game setting. Uh, showing that he can, you know, hit enough. What is nuts though is he's already popped a one twelve, dude. <laughs> so I mean, knowing that, acknowledging that, probably closer to seventy future raw power, right? Yeah. Uh, but the problem is he's already pretty maxed out physically. So it's like he's six three two twenty. How much more strength is there there? He doesn't need any more. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's probably seventy future raw power. He's also whiffing a ton to start. So. We'll, we'll see how it all goes, but if it clicks for this guy, I agree that the upside is top 10 prospect in baseball. Yeah. Number 94, one of my favorite prospects, I think, going into this year, one of the guys to watch. I, I think he's one of the more dynamic catching prospects in baseball, Jefferson Caro, Milwaukee Brewers. Jefferson is just a stud, man. I, I just love the way that he plays. I, I love the well-roundedness to his game. Um he to me has that tools across the board catching ability above average bat above average defender to plus defender um and, and just checks all the boxes i put a thread together on jefferson caro that i should probably embed in this uh write up when when we get off i'll probably put it in the write up um but as we're recording i don't have it in there yet but man he has a rocket for an arm he receives well he hits the ball hard above average power average field to hit um Caro's a guy that I think is going to be on top 100 lists everywhere by midseason. I really do believe that. Yeah, I'm a huge fan after you turned me on to him. Um, I mean, last year he was in low and high. He's in double this year with Chorio. He's gotten off to a pretty slow start. Chorio's gotten off to a great start in Biloxi. Um, Caro, you know, the testimonials that you've passed along about Caro, like this guy passes pretty much every personality test, right? Like, yeah. I mean, he is, hey, he's a mature 20 year old and that's what you want from a catcher man i mean like that's kind of the conversation that we have about drew romo he's a mature 20 year old people love throwing to him i think carol is going to be one of those guys that people love throwing to and, and william Contreras, great catching option for the milwaukee brewers don't get me wrong but if you can have william Contreras as your dh and have carol as the catcher in two years i, I think you're really happy about that yeah, I mean that. What really stands out to me with Caro is the way he works behind the dish, the way he moves. He, he, you got. If you're a base runner, he's you got to be on your toes. He'll back pick you. Like, Dude, he he's is silky just, too. He, he's smooth with it. Um, you talked about the slow start. Something we've talked about with catching prospects too. Aggressive bump to double A for Caro. Think about this. Nineteen years old last year, hit two eighty six, three forty two, four thirty nine between low A and high A. He only played 20 games in high A last year where he hit 313 with an 860 OPS. 20-year-old catching prospect and a young 20, and they say, let's go straight to double. So not only is he you know, learning how to hit at that level, he's handling advanced upper-level pitching at that level. Yeah. Uh, they wanted him and Chorio together. I think they wanted some of their best prospects at that double-A level, 
Edgar Caro, no relation, another catching prospect, receives an extremely aggressive assignment to the double A as well. I'm, we're seeing Project Birmingham, which we'll talk about, with <laughs> which I thought was a little too extreme with the White Sox. That was too much. But the point being, if teams like the coaching staff and how a player will respond with a certain staff, they will just aggressively assign those guys nowadays. And they have to fit the mold. Edgar Caro is a very advanced catching prospect as well, especially between the years. Jefferson Caro, again, no relation, very advanced, high-end makeup. That's why you see those aggressive assignments. I'm willing, if he struggles this year even offensively, wouldn't be that concerned as a 20-year-old in double A. No, it's it's the Dingler thing with more years um, being you know, awarded to Caro, right? Because Dingler yep. was 22 or 23 yep. struggling in double when he made yeah. that move. So yeah. if you give Dingler a year of leeway, you got to give Caro a year of leeway. 100%. And, and I think he might not even need it. Number 93, Edwin Arroyo. So Arroyo, he drops here. And I think Reds fans are going to be on my ass about this. I don't um, think so. I, so for me, I just see a lot of glove first, glove is the carrying tool, hope he hits enough kind of situation here where if he was a plus hitter, I'd feel better about it. But this Cincinnati Reds prospect came over in that Noel V. Marte package for Luis Castillo. I think the fact that Arroyo was attached to Noel V. Marte with other pieces Kind of tells you where where he really is at, maybe in terms of how teams look at him, which is a back end top 100 guy. We've seen him as high as 40, 50, 60. I just think that's too high for a guy that I'm playing the scenarios in my head. The hit tool you're hoping is above average right now is average. The power, there's no scenario where it's better than average. He's an above average runner, and then the glove could be plus. What's the best case scenario for a guy like that? It's it's you know 280. 350, 420, 430, maybe 440. And at that point, that's his high, high end, uh, you know, high end outcome. My concern is that the hit tools is closer to fringe than it is plus. And with that concern, without impactful power, it's just it, there's just not enough to dream on here. If you ran a thousand simulations, there's not many where he is an all star. There's a lot where he's a regular at short, but there's not many where he's an all star. And there's probably even more where he, he he's not an everyday player. So the reason why he's a top 100 guy is switch hitter, good speed, phenomenal glove, high floor. But the hit tool needs to be better uh, for him to be, you know, the the prospect that I see a lot of other evaluators or rankings have him at. What's the ceiling? Is it Simmons, Andrelton Simmons? He's not going to be that good defensively, though. Right. So it's like, you know, subdued Simmons. Yeah. I mean, you're hoping he hits more, right? In Great American Ballpark, he has average power. He's a switch hitter. He lifts the ball well. But here's the you're thing. You're hoping he can hit 20. Here's the thing, man. Like, you take a look at what he did in 2022, and I know, okay, 18-year-old in low A. But – 87 games in Modesto, which is dry air ball flies. 13 homers, he hit 316. He goes to Daytona, exact opposite. He hits one homer in 109 plate appearances and hits 227. And worth noting, for those who don't know, that's the same level. That was post-trade, different environment. Same level. Same level, same competition, just different environment. 
and like I don't want to say okay, he's a thin air merchant, whatever, but like he's entering a very homer friendly ballpark. He's entering. But he's a, a guy that has to be dependent on his environment to go yard, and, and so that that's that's what it's going to be, right? At, like guys that are fringe power, you put them in a good spot. The power is you know, more impactful, right? You see a little bit more, but if he's in a bad spot, then you really see the power subdued. Like that's how, that's how it happens. And again, if he was a plus hitter, I'd feel better, but the, the zone contact was like 78, 80% at best last year. That's not not good. good. What's the ground ball rate? Like last year, it was in the mid thirties, which is pretty impressive for that guy. What stands out for, for me is okay. He hits the ball in the air. Well, but if you're whiffing in the zone more than 20% of the time and you don't have the power to leave the yard consistently, it's a weird profile. So we'll see, you know, he might develop a little bit more power, but the frame's not that big. So I'm interested to see that said, I would love to have a Edwin Arroyo type prospect in my system. I love a switch hitting defensive minded shortstop that can move a little bit, but uh, you know, I need to see a little bit more at the bat. Yeah. Next up. Hayden Wesneski, number 92, Chicago Cubs. It's been a rough start for Wesneski at the big league level all of a sudden after what he did last year, right? Like we saw Wesneski go nuts and just shove at the end of last year. And then we see him pretty much just get blown up his first two starts of the season. Are you really worried about that at all? He looked good in spring training. It seemed like his, his fastball's not moving the same. His stuff hasn't totally been there, but – Wesneski's a guy that you know was traded over from the Yankees in that Scott F. Ross deal. Fastball is good. He gets ground balls. The slider is disgusting. The cutter's effective. When we've seen him work and we see number three, number four type, right now it just hasn't totally been there for him, but I think he's going to work through it just fine. It's four legitimate big league pitches. It's good command. Uh, just hasn't been there through the first two starts this year. Yeah, I mean, fastball is getting drilled. Like the, the sweeper is still fine. The sweeper was excellent last year. Opponents hit a buck nineteen against it. He threw one hundred and fifty-eight of them at the major league level. Sweeper this year, opponents hitting one sixty-seven. Have yet to accrue an extra base hit. He's thrown it forty-three times. He's thrown forty-seven fastballs, sitting a tick higher than he did last year. But opponents are hitting five fifty-six with a fourteen hundred slug. <laughs> Average exit velo against his fastball. He's thrown it 47 times. 95.5. It's getting into oblivion. And, and I have no idea what the deal is there. I see the spins I, up about 100 RPMs. I, so here's what I think the issue is. And is I'll have to dive deeper. Zoning? I think he's dead zoning a little bit. So what made Wesneski so good sink. is it sink and sweep. Yeah. And then he would mix in the four-seamer. That was a little dead zony, But when you're worried about sweep and sink and change up and cut a dead zone fastball is, still has enough ride to relative to everything else to catch you off. But I think right now those fastballs are both blending where even the sinker is closer to the dead zone fastball. And I so, think that's the issue right now. Yeah. So the sinker is sitting two ticks higher, but it's also a hundred RPMs, you know, more. So, so like, I, I think it's, it's, Blending too much with like a four seamer. I don't think I it's think sink, so. it's not as much of a sinker, two seam type. I, I think this sinker is looking like a crappy fastball, and the four yeah. seamer is looking like a dead zone fastball. But don't you feel like that's something he can work through and figure out? Like that's a pretty easy tweak. I feel like. Yeah, like yes, but 
somebody needs to tell him and the Cubs are the organization that will tell him. Right. Like, yeah, I don't think we're smarter than them. So I, you know, like I, I, I think, I think they've got that figured out at this point. It, it is worth noting too. Like he had the two worst environments to have this issue in pitches in great American small park. And then he pitches at home on a windy ass day. Right. So like, that's where it got exposed even more. I love Hayden Wesneski because of the ability to mix ground balls with whiffs. When he's not doing that, he's not a top 100 guy. But he, I think he's going to get back to that. I think he'll find it. And when he's doing that, he is a almost a lock to be a back end of the rotation starter with the upside of a high-end four, low-end three. Yeah. Next up, number 91, Josu DePaula. You may never have heard of this guy. You will soon. If I could pick one guy to have the next Jackson Chorio type of ascension, it's probably this dude. If, if not one other guy that we're going to talk about in a moment. Josu DePaula, Los Angeles Dodgers, outfield prospect, 17 years old. Probably the most advanced swing I've seen from a player that has not left the complex levels. His swing is gorgeous from the left side. Smooth as hell. Body control is so good. I think this guy could survive in low A right now. And I actually think that the Dodgers should be aggressive with him. I hope they are. Uh, defensively, a little bit limited. He does have a good arm. So I think he can hold it down in either corner, but I see potential for a plus hit tool. He's got a long lanky frame, good feel for the barrel. He could be a rare combination of plus hit plus power, which at that point, those kind of prospects, they don't grow on trees, left-handed bat plus hit plus power. Sign me the hell up. Um, 90% zone contact. I yes, it's in the Dominican summer league, but still 90% zone contact is 90% zone contact with exit velocities already flashing 103-104 for a guy that was 16 at points last year, I think Josu DePaulo is going to have a meteoric rise in this Dodger system. So, again, a guy that I can't speak much to whatsoever, but you told me that his cousin is? Oh, he's cousins with Stefan Marbury. And who's the other one? Was it, it was, Sebastian Telfair? Yeah, Sebastian Telfair. The like, underground so he's, goat. He's him. He's him. He's him. Like, 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 he's got the bloodlines. Marbury and Sebastian Telfair were the kings of New York. Yeah. <laughs> and like, sign me up for their cousin. <laughs> so, I, and dude, he's he's just natural. Like, he really is. Watch Joe Zudapala moving forward. Next up is another Dodger. The old stack of Dodgers. Number 90, Andy Pajes. He is another outfielder who... Kind of a prospect fatigue guy, too, a little bit, right? Because you pull up the numbers. Was he as good as you'd like to see last year offensively in a hitter-friendly environment? Like WRC Plus would say no. I don't really care because he's going to hit him out wherever. When I got to see him in the Arizona Fall League, that really solidified for me that he was a top 100 bat. His swing is really good. It's just really advanced, um, geared for lift, and he hits the ball hard and in the air. He's a good defender in either corner. He's a guy that you've seen, I know, going back to your days at Fort Wayne. Uh, and I feel like he has dealt with the fatigue because of how aggressive the assignments have been. The guy went to double A, hit 20, what was it, 27 homers last year? What do you have? Yeah, he had 26. 26 homers last year in double A, only hit 230-ish, but but kept the strikeouts at least somewhat in check. He was 20 years old at that level, right? Like, or 21 like this is still an extremely young guy with success at double a under his belt and i think we'll only get better in the hit tool department and it projects as a good defender in the corner 
I'm trying to figure out like what exactly changed. I'm looking at ground ball rate. It's up from 25% to 28%. Oh, oh no. That's excellent. Fly ball rate down from 55% to 50%. Don't care. That's excellent. K rate was literally identical. 24. Identical. Walk yeah. rate goes down about 3%. All right. I can live with that. And then the WRC plus is a 50 point decrease. 152 yeah. to 102. I guess the batting average down 30 points. You know, you look at the OBP goes from 394 to 336. A 400 OBP prospect to a 340 OBP prospect is very different. But like, I'm he was in not double A's at 21 year old. Yeah, I'm yeah. not concerned at all. No, no. And the WRC plus is 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 park adjusted, so it's worth noting he was in the Texas League. It's a launch pad. Maybe he didn't reap the rewards of the launch pad as much, but we saw him hit the homers the year before, and he hit 30 plus, right? So, uh, to me, that that's the thing is he didn't scale up the way most guys do when they go to a hitter friendly environment, but he still hit bombs. 84% zone contact rate. You mentioned the strikeout rate. That was the thing that stood out the most to me. He makes the jump to the upper levels and as a 21-year-old, and the strikeout rate remains consistent, identical. That, to me, shows a guy that's going to continue to develop and continue on, on the right track. And I'm pretty sure he had a nice stretch in the Arizona Fall League. Love it. 89. Guy we talked about in the Rays episode, so we don't need to spend too much time on him. We got another GIF here. Junior oh. Common Arrow. This guy hits the snot out of the ball, dude. He hits the ball really hard. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays prospect, third baseman, that is just really, really powerful and a way better field to hit than you'd expect. A lot of moving parts for those watching on YouTube. You can see the loud barrel tip, all the movement that comes with it. But what's crazy about it is he still makes a ton of contact, zone contact around 85%. I don't know if those moves will play as well against more advanced pitching, but... 19 years old, put up great numbers last year. And through his, on his first game of the year this year, five for six with a home run. Follow the next day up with 0 for four because baseball sucks. But five for six to start the season. This is a guy that has the ability to stay at third, the power to hold the position, and bat-to-ball skills that I think are better than you'd expect from a guy with his profile. Bro, they're going to run into so many depth questions, but, like, who cares, yeah. right? I mean, it's it's insane to me how much depth they have. And I don't think Tampa is going to trade any of it. I think all they do is like stockpile in Durham and Montgomery and their teams are really good everywhere. <laughs> um, like Caminero is now, you know, and the great thing is he's got a 26 ETA um, that you have it as. Um, I, I mean, Oslavis Basabe and Curtis Mead are scratching and clawing to take ABs away from Brandon Lau and Isak Paredes, which isn't going to happen. And then you're going to have Caminero at some point and Ronnie Simon at some point clipping at the heels of Basabe and Mead. And then you just run into this crazy conveyor belt of elite talent. It's so bizarre to me. It's so unfair. Um, and Caminero went to Australia, <laughs> raked there, yeah, raked. Uh, <laughs> put up crazy numbers and 90th percentile exit velocity of 107 miles an hour last year. That's elite. Um, as long as the swing decisions keep getting better and he can quiet down those moves a little bit, this guy's going to be very good. Middle of the order masher type who can play good defense at third. Just baseball, one of two publications to have Junior Caminero in the top 100. He's number 99 on baseball prospectuses top 100. Ooh, I, prospectus is usually when, – whenever we've got guys that like only, I feel like only we have on the list, prospectus usually throws them in there too. Yeah, uh, so I, I, usually like, I usually like what they're doing over there with, with some of the lower-level guys that they have. 
Matt Mervis, so number 88. We do not need to spend too much time on Matt Mervis. Matt Mervis will also be on the podcast once he gets the big league call up at some point. That's his own words. He said, oh, we'll do it after I get called up. Like, I didn't even invite him. I didn't want to bother him for the third time. He's a frequenter of the show. We love Matt Mervis here. We're biased about Matt Mervis here. We wear it admirably, but he makes it easy. He makes it almost impossible to be biased about him because how can you be biased about a 1,050 OPS? Mervis went yard yesterday. He went yard, uh, I should say two days ago for those listening. He went yard a couple days before that at 113 miles an hour. He should be the starting first baseman for the Cubs. Hosmer's doing that thing where he's good for a month to start the season. But Mervis, dude, it, it's become pretty, you know, we, we can't, how many more ways can we, can we like slice this up? Above average hitter, plus power, high end makeup, uh, good enough defender at first base. And the guy crushes everything. He's Mash Mervis. I don't know what else to say. I mean, what has he put up last year at 984 OPS in 137 games? Nine games, he's got a 989 OPS. He's killing the ball right now. Next, he's the first baseman of the Cubs. Yeah. That's 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 what I can't wait for because it's got to be coming pretty, pretty darn soon. If you queue up somebody to I think it was Alex Cohen. Was he the play-by-play guy for Iowa? Yeah. I think he had a tweet if you queued up like his last 162 games. I'm pretty sure he's got like 140 driven in, like 39 homers. for, And that's including like AAA, AA, Arizona Fall League, and then AAA again. Um, so that just kind of shows you what, what he's all about right now. Alex Not much Cohen, else to say about Merv. Alex Cohen, by the way, if we've got Cubs listeners, Cohen is a great guy. Um, have had the chance to interact with him. So happy that he he has had opportunities with 670 to score and and marquee during spring training to hop in on those games. He is an excellent follow if you want updates on the Iowa Cubs. And that's a stacked roster right now. I was going to say, he does a great job of of highlighting the players that are doing great things for that team. I see Alex all the time on Twitter um, and and really does a great job of just highlighting those, those talented players that he's fortunate enough to call the games of consistently. Number 87, another guest of the podcast, a guy that was on very recently, Mason Miller. Miller is one of my favorite stories. I think it's just so amazing what he's been able to overcome. A guy that started a pitching prospect, I should say, with the Oakland Athletics. I labeled him on that podcast episode. You could go check that out as the most intriguing minor league pitcher and right, right now. Um, Division three guy, fluctuating weight loss, couldn't figure out what was going on. And finds out that he's a type one diabetic. And, you know, that's could have been very upsetting and devastating. And he said, he, you know, he talks about it. I don't want to like speak for him. Go listen to that episode on those details. But you know, he said that he had to you know, kind of grasp that, understand that his life was forever changed in a way that he's going to have to do certain things. But then also had this clarity of like, oh, that's why I kept losing all this weight. That's why I felt like crap all the time. And he never complained. He pitched through it at division three Waynesburg and just didn't know why his play was inconsistent. Yeah. Gets it, you know, taken care of gets, you know, what he needs to have done to be healthy as a type one diabetic. And then all of a sudden starts throwing a hundred miles an hour in his final season of eligibility at Gardner Webb showed enough there as he dominated hitters to get drafted by the third and the third round by the A's. And he's dealt with a little bit of arm issues here and there, but came back late last year was sitting 99.9 miles an hour in the Arizona Fall League. Dude. And and then so far this season, touched 101 10 times in his first outing. He's up to 102. His sweeper is plus plus. And he mentioned on the podcast, uh, a call-up plug, 
that he's working on a cutter. If he's throwing a mid-90s cutter, good luck. The changeup's not bad either. I have some video of him in the fall league making Jordan Walker look uncomfortable on some good changeups. Even if the changeup's average, you got to respect the fastball enough that the changeup will play up. This is one of my favorite guys to watch. Just got the promotion to AAA. Mason Miller could be special. Yeah, I mean, Miller, he, he started a game uh, in AA with Midland, three and two Ks. Eight Ks, no walks. No walks is big. And like, this isn't a guy that has historically had command issues in the minor leagues. He's punching out, what, 16 per nine in 23 innings. He, he doesn't have, you know, much experience in the minor leagues. But I mean, 23 and two thirds innings, 42 Ks, six walks. So this guy knows how to pound the zone. Uh, he is experienced, if you want to view it that way, right? He spent five years in, in college because he did play his final year at Gardner-Webb. He used that transfer after the 2020 season. So, yeah, man, I, I have really been turned on to Miller as well. And, you know, I've got a lot of people uh, in my life that are type 1 diabetics as well, and they have that eureka moment yeah. um, at, at some point where it's, okay, I have closure. I'm going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life, but now I know the steps that I need to take to live my best life with it. And Mason Miller has gone from a really good athlete that I had question marks about why shit was happening to his body to a guy that knows exactly what's going on with his body and it takes care of it and is still an elite athlete and is getting better as yeah. an athlete. And just sitting 100, 101, like in yeah. many starts. It's 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 unbelievable. He, and and while we haven't seen him stretched out, he sustained the velocity for the most part. And and those three, four-inning spurts that we've seen, mostly three-inning spurts. Uh, awesome dude. Definitely check out that interview. Easy guy to root for. Uh, and I think he could be a really special talent. His floor is elite closer, I think. So that's the other side of it, too. If Even if he can't stick as a starter, floor is lights out. Just is he Yohan Duran? Yeah. I don't know if he has like that kind of stuff going, but if he's sitting, he might be sitting 103 if he's going one inning spurts, like 101 to 102 at least. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, that's that's just absolutely nuts. Next up, number 86, the youngest player I've ever done a write-up on ever, Ethan Salas, catching prospect San Diego Padres. He's 16 years old, Jack. He was born in 2006. Yeah. This dude was thrusted straight into a spring training game, a big league one, and looked phenomenal. His receiving was already plus. His hands were so quiet the way he's able to catch there. He blocks phenomenally. His swing is so advanced as well. Left-handed stroke, good approach. I watched some of his games in the winter league that he played in where he was like eight years younger than everybody working the count, spoiling pitches, working walks. This kid's a one. He's a wonderkin. He's a wonderkin. It's that simple. Uh, plus defensive potential, a plus arm, the potential to be a plus hitter and also above average power. This guy has best prospect in baseball upside with the makeup to back it up too. All of the stories around him have been just unbelievable. The Padres are are drooling over the kind of player that they were able to pick up for $5.8 million in international free agency. Brother of Jose Salas, family of just talented baseball players. But Ethan's even better, man. This guy is special. Yeah, Jose Salas, notably with the Minnesota Twins organization now. Jose, Jose Salas, no longer with the Marlins. but with No the longer with the Marlins. Marlins fans still really reeling from that one. <laughs> um I, 
you're going to hate this comp. I thought about it and then just started smiling to myself because I know I was wondering what you were doing over there. You're going to hate me. He was the Victor Wimbanyama of this international free agent class. (laughs) 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 No, but I mean, it was like, it was the Pat Ewing thing, right? Hey, you go to the draft lottery knowing that if you win the lottery, you are getting Pat Ewing. This year, like, if you win the draft lottery, you're going to get Wimbanyama. Um, The Pirates knew that they were going to take Dylan Cruz in this upcoming draft. And if they don't, color me shocked. But yeah, I know. I mean, it's. It was Salas in the international free agent class, and then everybody else. Yeah, but Salas was alone. Dude, I was on the backfields uh, a couple years ago. Like I think two years ago now, uh, and I was hearing about it was when Jose Salas was still with the Marlins. I was talking to a couple scouts, and they're like, you know, he's got a brother that's going to be better than him. And it just now processed me. He would have been 14 at that point. And they're telling me, yeah, you know, he's got a brother that's going to be better than him. I'm like, what? Like, what are you, how old is he? And I I guess he was 14 then. I just had this like click when we were talking about Jose. I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody told me about Ethan's house two years ago, two years ago. So this is a guy that everybody has wanted to the one Bayama point of like, he's been the crown jewel for a minute now. Uh, And I think some teams are probably kicking themselves for not just putting their entire budget at that guy because he he is one of a kind behind the dish as a catching prospect. Can't wait for him to play 100 games before Camposano does. (laughs) He he might play. They're already being more aggressive with him. (laughs) They might start him at the big league level instead. Oh, gosh. So I was about to get to 85 here, which is James Outman. But, you know, we're right at the hour mark. And I think it makes most sense. So we're not rushing to go by bands of 15. Obviously, that. You can't divide 100 by 15, so we'll get creative with it. One episode where we feel like we're flying a few extra, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pack in a few extras. Or if the last episode has to be the longest, that's fine. I don't think people will mind hanging on a little extra for the final 20 or the final 18 or whatever it may be. But I want to keep these episodes a little bit shorter because I know people might binge listen to these, you know, one after another after another to go through the entire 100 We'll be hitting you with, you know, episode after episode to kind of comb through this top 100. If you can't wait to read it, go check out the top 100 list in the description. But we will continue to be churning out episodes almost every day as we can uh, to get through this top 100. uh, Because I know a lot of people want to hear this and and have the breakdown. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating. uh, Help us grow the show. If you're watching on YouTube, please uh, subscribe. Leave some comments. Tell us who you thought maybe should have made the list who you think is too high, too low, whatever it may be. Uh, But that'll do it for this one. Jack, any final thoughts on these 15 players we talked about? Yeah, I'm all the way in on Josu DePala for being Sebastian Telfair's cousin. That's my last thought. And Stephon Marbury, dude, like that one. And Marbury. Starbury is sick. Yeah. But, I mean, Telfair, like you hear the stories about Sebastian Telfair. Yeah. And Josu DePala is a cool name. So all the way in on those guys. Uh, we'll start with another Dodger because, of course, in the next episode. As always, thank you for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.